For the last couple of days, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out some sort of interpretive key that would bring all of these readings together today. You know, and usually it's like I, you know, pull from TV shows, songs, my own family. But the thing that kept coming to my mind today was one of my favorite passages in all of sacred scripture, one of my favorite scenes, and it's from the Gospel of Mark. So if you'll just indulge me for a second, I want to read to you from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. And it's a scene that's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I particularly love Mark's version, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. It says this, And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. At that saying, his countenance fell, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, the reason I wanted to share that with you, and I'll tell you the reason why I love Mark's version in particular, is Mark is the only one that includes that little helpful guide in the fact that when Jesus looks at him, Mark tells us he looked on him and he loved him. And I think that looking at the man and loving him helps us to see all of these things together. You know, and the fact of the matter is, you know, when the guy, he runs up, he wants to know what he has to do to inherit eternal life. I mean, therein lies the greatest of all questions, right? I mean, we come here to Mass, at least on Sunday or every day, you know, coming to want something, right? And ultimately that inheriting eternal life You would say, I mean, you can kind of whittle it all down to that, but what does it ultimately mean to inherit eternal life? Obviously, the commandments are an important part. Jesus starts out with that. We get it this morning and got them in their totality in the first reading. If you remember back during Advent, we spent time meditating on the first three, the first three that have to do in particular with our relationship with God. The next seven have to do with our relationship with one another. They're important things, and we've got to live up to them. And Jesus even starts there. And the man, of course, saying, Teacher, I've done all these since my youth. And what does that elicit? Jesus looks at him and loves him. And when you fast forward and look at today's gospel with the cleansing of the temple, I think the thing is, when you look at Jesus' justification for why he does this, you know, them asking him, you know, what can you do to justify what you've just done? You know, tipping over the money tables, you know, driving out the oxen and the sheep and driving us out of here with the doves. You know, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. What's he doing? He's looking at them and he's loving them. 
And he's telling them the fact of the matter is like, look, he's going to lay down his entire life. It's not him who's going to destroy the temple. It's them who are going to destroy the temple. But his love is so strong that he will rise from the dead, that he shows that absolute justification of what he's doing. And even the terminology that he uses in cleansing the temple, he doesn't just say, stop making the temple a marketplace. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. He wants us to be in relationship with his father just as he, the son, is in relationship with his father. He's calling us into that. And at the same time, calling us in in a way that's deeper than just, well, if I check off these boxes, if I just do these commandments, if... You look at the money there, right? This isn't like a complete, you know, oh, we should never have private property and money. No. But at the same time, there in the Father's house, it's not as though when we come here, this is just some sort of a quick transaction and then back into our normal daily lives. And so it's like, you know, here is my, you know, couple of bucks to make sure that we're on good terms. Now back to my life. No. He looks at us and he loves us. And he wants us to be so much deeper than mere transactional agreements, right? And the thing is, we're kind of used to that. We prefer to just be able to like write the check and be done, you know? It's like, it's, it's tough when a lot is required of us. But you look at the way that Jesus interacts with that rich man, looking at him, loves him, and tells him you lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor and come follow me. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to do just that. Yes, in different ways. Some as priests, deacons, some as religious, some as married folks, some as single folks. In whatever way we're there still, it's to give him our whole life. And at first hearing that, that can be tough. It's a tough thing to submit all that we have to Jesus, to bring him in to every aspect of our life, to ask him to be a part of everything. But that's absolutely what he wants, and it's absolutely what is the greatest thing for us. As we just heard in the beautifully sung responsorial psalm, Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. And those are taken from St. Peter in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John when everybody else goes away. And Jesus says, are you guys going to go away too? And he says, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. And during this season, we come to find that more and more. Because the thing is, throughout the rest of the year, it's so easy to just kind of, you know, fall into routine and fall into rhythm. Although I will say, in 2020, it was a lot harder to do that, right? I mean, everything kind of got rocked. So to speak, it's like our daily routines were like flipped like these tables of the money changers. But when the dust starts to settle, the question is, where are our hearts? Where do they ultimately land? What are we looking for? And hopefully the answer to that question is eternal life. And the beautiful thing that we find, as St. Paul tells us in that second reading, is that we find that ultimate love and joy and wisdom and the meaning of life in Christ crucified. It's the fulfillment of his looking at that man, looking at him, loved him. Where does he show us the absolute, complete, you know, fullness of his love? It says he lays his life down on the cross. 
And as this gospel ends, and it's so interesting about, you know, Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature, he himself understood it well. What I would say about that is the fact that we all need that daily reminder of his love. We can have this either fall into a routine, we can fall into lukewarmness, we can fall into just like not even wanting to come anymore. There's all sorts of things in this up and down in the craziness that is the human heart. We just had this on Thursday. Jeremiah, from the prophet Jeremiah, it said more torturous than anything else is the human heart. Who can understand it? The one who can understand it is our Lord who lays down his whole life for us, who shows us the way to the Father, who cleanses his Father's house, sometimes patting us on the back, encouraging us on. Sometimes he gets angry. But just like parents getting angry with their children, they tell them, you know, don't stick your finger in the electrical socket. It's not because I don't want you to have a wonderful full experience and express yourself in the way that you want to. Okay, great, but that's not a good idea. Don't do it. And when a parent gets all upset, the child might think, why are they so mean to me? Why won't they let me have the freedom to stick my finger in the electrical socket? Oh, they just don't understand me. No. They understand you well. They also understand electricity well. And they know that you're sticking the finger in the electric socket is not going to be good. Even deeper than that is our Lord understanding our human nature, knowing that we need this special time of year. And I know, I mean, here we are kind of almost to the midway point. Next week we'll be in rows because we're over the midway, midway point. We're going to celebrate a little bit more because it's hard to fast. It's hard to give alms. It's hard to set aside time And yet, he looks at us and he loves us. He continues to purify our hearts more and more. He continues to call us deeper and deeper into that love, more so than he did in 2020, more so than he did in 1985, more than he did, you know, all these different times. We continue to walk this journey. He continues to look at us and to love us, to purify us, to bring us deeper and deeper into his love in the way that is called for at this particular moment. And so my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we continue on in Lent, let's ask him for that grace to not be like the young man, to not be like those who just cling to everything in our day-to-day life and to refuse to let him in. Because what does that lead to? Going away sad. Rather, let's ask him for that grace to be open to whatever he's going to do to purify us more and more. Now, to some that may be foolishness, to some that may be weakness, but hey, the foolishness of God is wiser than our wisdom. The weakness of God dying on the cross is stronger than our strength. And the beautiful news for us who need purification, the beautiful need for us who kind of wince at fasting, the beautiful news for us with our tortured human hearts is that Jesus Christ looks at us and loves us all the way to the point of laying down his life for us on the cross. That's where he can justify everything that he does for purification. That's where he justifies everything that he does in coming into our lives. And the good news is, is that if we let him in, we will find that love that endures forever. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.